Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com with episode 51 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. We are breaking down a top 20 matchup in the dome. The first matchup between two ranked teams in the Dome since 2001 and the first top 20 matchup in the Dome since 1998. And even though Syracuse Ooh. fans will want to forget about that one, that was Syracuse versus Tennessee. That was a controversial fourth down pass interference call against Syracuse that ended up with Tennessee going down and kicking a game-winning field goal as time expired instead of Syracuse winning. But I digress. The 2001 version was much better. That was Syracuse versus Boston College, and Syracuse won, I think it was 39 to 28, if I remember the score correctly. But Syracuse won by multiple scores in that game. Syracuse obviously hoping this game plays out closer to that than the Tennessee one. But we have number 18 Syracuse, number 15 NC State. And Josh, it's just, it's just cool to have legitimate big time division one FBS football, two ranked teams in the dome. Um, This game has Atlantic standings ramifications. It has potential national ramifications in terms of how some of the bigger bowl games play out. And it's Syracuse fighting for bowl eligibility in its sixth game. When I don't think anyone thought that was a possibility going into the season. I'm going to, First of all, take a pause, take a break, and, you know, I'm hurt. I'm very hurt. As somebody I consider a friend, you know, a mentor, somebody I work with and for, you know, you failed to mention this very crucial fact about my home state, University of Tennessee Volunteers, being one of the last ranked matchups for the Syracuse Orange. Please tell me. About this matchup, like I said, we we literally did a throwback. All right, we so we'll, the- we'll, I'll go into this a little <laughs> bit. So this bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting props and futures head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet use our promo code believe 50 b-l-e-a-v-5-0 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts this was the year after um peyton manning's last season mm. so peyton manning's last season was 1997 he leaves and Tennessee was still preseason ranked number 10 in the country, but you know, each year Peyton Manning was there, it was 
Tennessee's a national championship contender. He leaves and it was, they're still good, but they're not that special anymore because he's gone. And Which yet, is now true. Yeah, that, that's been true ever since he left. But much as people love they, they ended up winning the national championship game that they went winning the national championship that year. They went undefeated. The closest game that they had all season was the opening game in the dome against Syracuse. Um, that was a game where Tennessee got out to a lead early. Syracuse came back. Syracuse scored a touchdown midway through this the fourth quarter to take a lead Tennessee comes back and scores one of their own to take the lead back Syracuse goes and kicks a couple of field goals to take um, a 33 to 31 lead with a little under two minutes to go Tennessee ends up with a fourth and I don't remember what it was fourth and seven fourth and eight something like that um, at their own 30 something yard line and they threw a pass Syracuse cornerback Will Allen, who ended up playing in the NFL with the Giants and a couple other teams uh, for several years. He was um, defending the intended target. It was a comeback route. It was one of those where um, he kind of reached over the receiver at the same time the ball got there and made contact with the ball to knock it away. But he was kind of leaning on the back slightly while he was doing that. But it was all kind of like in one motion, bang, bang. And the ball gets knocked down. The crowd goes crazy. Syracuse is jumping all over the place and celebrating. And then the flag came. It was a very late flag on top of it being questionable, whether it was pass interference, especially in that situation, but pass interference was the call that gave Tennessee an automatic first down. They end up getting, I think two or three more first downs and, and kicked a 27 yard field goal as time expired to win 34 to 33. Syracuse would go on to win the Big East and end up in one of the BCS bowl games in which they lost to Florida. Um, I believe it was, was it Florida? That was Florida or Kansas state. It was one of them, but they ended up playing in, in a BCS bowl game as the Big East representative and Tennessee went on to win the national championship. That so. is so crazy. I mean, full circle moment. Uh, Cedric Wilson senior was on that team and I he, he might have been the intended res- target of that, of that pass. Right. He might have been. Cedric Wilson Jr. Um, is from Memphis. My, one of friend of a friend type of deal. But like, like I said, I've hung out with him. Like it's cool. Like in this, again, cursory glance of the Tennessee roster. Like I said, because I mean, again, as somebody that lived in Tennessee for a long time, I'm like, dang, I didn't know all this, you know, information in specific relation to SU. So it's a, uh, I mean, like, but that's definitely like, yeah, I'm just looking. Said will big said. T. Martin, Peerless Price, you know, Al Wilson, that was, who was, I don't think it's from Memphis. Is Al Wilson from Memphis, I think? I think he is. That was, you know, that late 90s was the last great era of, you know, UTK football. And it's been a on the field and a perception thing that's been fighting really hard to get back to those glory days of Payton and um, Al Wilson. And um, I know this had nothing to do with shoot, But, you know, this matchup against Bama with Hayden Hooker um, and, you know, is a culmination of a lot of these things. Again, the last thing, the last time that uh, UT won a national championship was with a black quarterback. And what is Hayden Hooker? A black quarterback. So it's a lot of things, you know, again, this is on my personal tip, like, you know, you look at some place like Duke, you know, symbolizes a lot of things that a lot of people find very easy to dislike. UTK is a much very smaller mechanism than in Tennessee, just because of the, the demographic and a lot of the different things. But ultimately, you know, it's still state pride. I'm still a volunteer because I'm from the state of Tennessee. So, and that's the biggest school in the state of Tennessee. 
So specifically, this the, the fact that you say that, and then they had this big, this huge matchup against Bama on Saturday. It's just a, it's a big culmination, of a lot of different things. So no, yeah, and, and it's it's foot, and so it was Cedric Wilson that 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 play was for, mm. um, and um, it was a fourth and seven with one forty three to go. Um, but what's interesting are the parallels here, not not necessarily between um, you know nineteen ninety eight and. and uh 2022 Syracuse and Tennessee playing each other um but about the parallels between Tennessee reestablishing itself as a power and Syracuse trying to reestablish itself as a um competent quality football team and that's where we get into this game against NC State because it's yes Syracuse three of their five wins are against power five teams and I think Purdue's a really good team, and Purdue's going to end up being a team that's that's going to be ranked uh, and and compete for uh, to to get to the Big Ten championship game in in their side of the of the conference there. But right now, when team people look at Syracuse and say, "Okay, you beat a Louisville team that's under 500. You beat a Purdue team. Yeah, they've got a couple of nice wins, but they've still got two or three losses. And you beat a Virginia team that nobody thinks right now is is really very good." It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. So congratulations, you have three power five wins, but we're not really all that impressed with them. Now you've got a ranked team coming into your building, a top 15 team, a team that was expected to compete for the ACC Atlantic title with Clemson and played Clemson pretty tough just a couple of weeks ago and, and then just beat Florida State, who a lot of people thought was, was on the up, up and up um, just last week. So this is an opportunity, I think, for Syracuse to – send that message that we are for real this year. Now we're bowl eligible. Now we've beaten a ranked team that would put Syracuse inside the top 15 for sure. And one of the key things about this game, if Syracuse is going to pull off a win here, or if NC state's going to pull off a win here is going to be how teams cope with injuries. The main one that people are going to be talking about is Devin Leary from NC state. He got hurt against Florida state and NC state was, forced to go with their backup quarterback, Mr. Chambers down the stretch of that game. He led them to a victory, but um, of the 25 or so plays that they called once he was inserted into the game, all but two of them were running plays. So they clearly completely changed how they approached offensive football when their quarterback changed. And that's going to have an impact on this game because a Syracuse might not completely know what to expect. NC State's game plan is going to be completely different with a dual threat quarterback and someone that uh, doesn't seem like they have as much confidence in as a thrower. And Syracuse is going to have to do a little bit of guesswork while preparing for an offense that might be a, a little bit more run oriented than what they would have expected with Devin Leary in there. On the flip side of it, one of the things that um, is going to impact Syracuse's ability to defend NC State in this game is the fact that they're down two defensive linemen in 
Dennis Jaquez, who was just announced this week, is out for the season, uh, backup defensive end. And Terry Lockett, who was their starting defensive tackle. Uh, we know they lost him a few weeks ago. So Syracuse is down. Those two guys are also, as we've discussed previously, down Stephon Thompson at linebacker. And then offensively, Syracuse is going to want to establish the run so they can be balanced offensively in this game. And they don't have Chris Elmore, which impacts their ability to do that. So I think injuries all around are going to play a factor here and how teams adjust to them. And I'm curious, Josh, from your perspective, as you're looking at this game, which one you think is going to have the biggest impact, which injury is going to be the most difficult to overcome for either team? Um, in, the, in the spirit of uh, rebelliousness and, you know, true spirit of journalism, I think it would be very easy to, to say Devin Leary because he uh, obviously is a starting quarterback. And, you know, I, you know, like hashtag respect FCS football, but I think it would be a stretch to call Jack Chambers a dual threat considering one of the threats. He doesn't seem to do that well. Um, but <laughs> that's ultimately like, yeah, man, you can't even uh, with, okay. With issues, injuries, these are not injuries, um, that this staff, this team, these guys, um, have, uh, ha- aren't ready, aren't prepared to feel, you know, even as Sean multiple times at media availability of media availability and him being transparent, like, yeah, Rhino not being there makes a difference. Wes being at fullback isn't, you know, a hundred percent a home run. But these are things that we've dealt with. These are things that we've acknowledged. Even with um, uh, with Steph going down, you know, there's the things where Derek uh, stepped in. You know, his in a, his uh, lack of availability last week. You got a uh, Sparrow coming in. You got Leon Lowry coming in. So you know, this Q's team has understood that. You know, next man up, and they really embodied that. They you understood know, the assignment, so to speak. Look at you with the Cardi B. I mean, that's the wrong person. Look at me being out of context. <laughs> but no, Devin, um, NC State has missed Devin, has played without Devin Lear for a total of two quarters, you know, and that's not a big, that's not a long time to, and no. a long time to see any, to see at all about how your football team responds to the guy with the C on his chest going down. You know, I have my personal opinions about how effective and how good he was in the sixth game that he played before, but like I just talking to Kale earlier, like you essentially have five games of Devin Leary tape that you have to throw out, which can be really good for NC can can as bad as his injury is can be really good for NC State because now you're coming in with a fresh or fresh slate. You have no tape on Jack Chambers unless you do you really do your homework and go study some Charleston Southern uh, tape, and even then it's not a one to one translation. So it is we have an injury like this in a situation like this. Um, it's very different. And it's very hard to deal with on a number of different levels. So I feel like it's definitely the easy, easy answer. I'm a little disappointed in myself, but sometimes the easy answer is definitely the right answer. Yeah, and, and t- your point is a good one in that Syracuse has had um, longer to adjust to some of these injuries than what NC State has. This is really going to be the first test. But to your point, part of the reason that Syracuse was able to get off to such a strong start on the offensive side of the ball early in the season this year is they had the element of surprise because even though people could watch Virginia tape and say, this is what Robert and I and Jason Beck like to do on the offensive side of the ball and their play calling it's different personnel. And they have a history of adjusting how they attack based on the talent of the personnel they have. And, and, and we good coordinator and coach does. <clears throat> absolutely. And so we've seen that this year where, Um, Syracuse has been good on offense in in almost every game, 
but it hasn't looked the same as it did last year at Virginia because Garrett Schrader and Brennan Armstrong are different players and Syracuse has Sean Tucker running back where Virginia didn't have a running back to that level. So it's definitely looked different. NC state has a, has the element of surprise here as well. Now, of course they're not as good as they would be if, if they were, you know, at full strength and Devin Leary is out there. I'm not trying to suggest they are, but sometimes in a one game scenario, you can surprise somebody, catch somebody off guard with doing some things a lot differently than, than what you otherwise would have. And it's really, really difficult for teams to prepare for that. That said, I think one of the keys to this game is whether or not NC State can stay balanced on offense. Because as you mentioned, Jack Chambers, is he really a dual threat when he's not a threat at one of the two things? So he's a single threat quarterback, but not in the way that you're used to someone being a single threat quarterback, right? If you're looking at someone as saying, is he a dual threat or not? When you say, well, no, he's not. You're saying because he's a prototypical pro style drop back and throw the ball type of quarterback. If you say, well, Jack Chambers is not a dual threat quarterback. You're saying that because he's not going to be able to throw the ball consistently. And now he can do some things with his legs. He did that against Florida state made a couple of plays with his legs to, to move the ball enough to get into field goal range and kick a field goal to give themselves a lead and then let the defense close the game out. But against Syracuse where Syracuse has a, a full week to prepare for it. And frankly, the Syracuse defense has, I don't want to say they're better than Florida state, but they have some things that are different than what Florida state does. That's, that's, um, you, think, you think that's bad to say that that defense better than Florida state? I think they are as a whole, but I don't want to suggest that like Florida state doesn't have quality athletes on their defensive side of the ball is, is I guess what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to insult Florida state um, because they, I mean, they've got some good players like Jared verse as defensive end is, I mean, Syracuse recruited him heavily out of the portal and imagine this Syracuse defense with him as one of your starters. I mean, Shout out my homie, Fabian Lovett. You feel what I'm saying? And they, all, they also went after um, Akeem Mesidor out of West Virginia um, in the portal as a defensive Say tackle. Say his name again? Akeem Mesidor. Akeem Mesidor. That's a good name. He was a, a starting defensive tackle at uh, West Virginia for his first couple of years, decided mm-hmm. to transfer out. Syracuse wanted him bad out of high school, and they went after him hard again as a transfer and didn't get him either time. But <clears throat> he's a really good player. If those two are your starting defensive linemen, Syracuse is, is would be challenging Clemson for the best defense in the ACC, I think. But um, they didn't get either of those guys. And as we know, the defensive line is thin. That said, the big thing here is Syracuse has athletic linebackers. They have speed all over the defense. They have experience facing dual threat quarterbacks. They face Malik Cunningham, who is – worlds better than what Jack Chambers is uh, in week one and they shut him down it was Malik Cunningham's worst game of the season now as as a pass defense in addition to having those linebackers that can blitz and spy and all of those things they have a secondary that's going to be as good as anything NC State is going to see all season uh, Clemson probably will say that they're better there's a discussion there. That's that's a whole separate discussion. The point is, NC State is is going to have its work cut out for it offensively because Syracuse's defense can play. They're a top ten defense in college football right now, and their ability to stay balanced 
is a huge factor in this game because if they can't and all they can do is run the ball, that makes Syracuse's job so much easier. And it takes a weapon from NC state. They've got some quality receivers. It takes a weapon away from them. And again, makes Syracuse's job much easier. And I think puts them in a much better position to potentially force turnovers, get a lot of three and outs and get to keep giving the ball back to their offense, trying to put up some points. I mean, I, I, I agree 100%. You're talking about, again, this is – we again, the preseason perception and the thing – the article that, like, me and you write and the way that the media, the narrative goes, it's often true for a reason. Stereotypes are there for a reason. The question going into the season wasn't how well can the SU defense play. The thing was we already are – the given is we know that SU defense is going to perform. What can we get on the offensive side? Or, I mean, offensive side. It's just, it's just crazy that, you know, six was again, we're worried more about the run game than the quarterback. Never, nobody would have thought that. So they, we knew that this defense was being good. So I don't think it's a surprise to anybody, you know, how good, how they've been performing. I think that, you know, more and more than that, even us are surprised that they're undefeated, but I don't think that anybody would say anybody in Syracuse would be like, I'm surprised that SU football is undefeated because how good the defense is, because I don't, I don't think that's a lot of good thing to say, nope. but, you know, and this is just, I guess the, the, the true, former player coming off out of me like NC State does not have any dudes on that team that's really going to scare you anyways with all due respect with all due respect their top dude is a former walk-on ever seen you know this is the thing to where there's not a lot of guys on the scouting report that you're looking at a guy like UVA you know we call it come off the bus crew they're not the best come off the bus crew they're not looking very impressive off the bus they're not a team on the scouting report where you're like okay this guy was a four-star. This, this guy was a five-star. This guy was uber-talented, you know. A lot of people shy away, I know, especially in your lane, you know, the, the recruiting narrative when it comes to on-field production in college football, you know, that doesn't mean nothing. Coaches love to say that or this or that. That stuff means something. People like you, people like the 247, uh, you know, people at ESPN, people get paid money to do this stuff because they really are evaluating these guys. So talent matters. And the talent, you know, it doesn't go anywhere from a guy being a high school senior to being a college senior just different circumstances, different situations. So this is not, I mean, I will say that this is definitely not the most talented offense this NC State team, this Syracuse defense has faced. So it'll be interesting. I want to see them really, you know, kind of impose their will a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, on, on the flip side of that, um, I think the key for Syracuse to have success offensively in this game is their ability to run the ball against NC State. Because NC State typically um, is is pretty good and pretty stout at, at stopping the run, but, um, you know, Syracuse, we know that they've been a little bit up and down in terms of their ability to run it this year. They had the huge game against Wagner, obviously. Um, but that was expected. If, if you take a step back and look, otherwise, uh, it's been a struggle to get Sean Tucker going consistently. It's primarily been, uh, the Garrett Schrader show, but, if you look back at to what Syracuse did last season against NC state, they actually ran the ball for 170 yards and averaged over five yards a carry. Uh, Tucker had 105 yards rushing. Now he only had 13 carries, but he ran the ball for 105 yards. Schrader ran the ball for 70 yards. They each had a touchdown. The big issue for Syracuse last year was Garrett Schrader was just eight for 20 throwing with a pick. So now I don't think that is going to be a thing this year for Garrett Schrader, he is, he has shown that he's a much different quarterback. He, he's not an elite thrower. That's fine. We know that, but 
if Syracuse can run the ball anywhere close to what they did last year, averaging five yards a carry, somewhere over 150 yards for the game doing so, I think that that spells Syracuse having a lot of success offensively. And they only scored 17 last year against NC State. I think if they're rushing for over 150 yards, averaging five yards a carry, that they're probably pushing 30 points in this game. I mean, it, it makes sense. You talk about, you know, like I said, Tyler doesn't go anywhere. Sean Tucker, even though he hasn't looked the same, he's still the same back. So I would advise <coughs> – I should read it like you. I would advise um, NC State, and they probably will treat him as the same guy that's, you know, was well on his way to a Heisman last year just because you don't – you don't – you, you failed – if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I know that um, this NC State team is smart enough to plan to stop Sean Tucker. Because it's not a, it's, that's not one of those things that will figure itself out. But, um, you know, and this, this is something that we can kind of segue to. Like, you know, you're talk, we talked about the story tradition. We just did a recap episode about some of the great SU teams. You know, this SU team is not only, you know, kind of reminiscent of these other teams, but has, like I said, I've emphasized it all year, that veteran leadership that veteran, you know, that presence to understand, you know, it's a, it's a certain balance at the striking. Yes, we have got to a place that we have already surprised people and even gone to a place we wouldn't have expected the start of the season, but we must truck on. There's still goals to be met. There's still expectations. And there's still a, at the end of the day, there's still things we had to do as a man and a football player to handle our business. So it's definitely a fine balance that, you know, I, you know, honestly, a lot of the four and five star guys that you probably talk about a recruit wash out because they fail to find that balance. So this SU team has a lot of those guys on this roster. And um, if you look at – if you evaluate the matchup on, Sunday, on Saturday, two ranked teams, one home team, one great defense, one that just lost their starting quarterback, you would SU, look at SU and be like, Get, put my money on that team and not think twice. Yes, and that's why even though Syracuse is not the higher-ranked team in this game, this game is not an upset if Syracuse wins. And the fact that you have a top 20 matchup in the dome where Syracuse is the, the worst ranked team and it's would not be an upset if Syracuse won. Syracuse is actually favored on all of the betting sites. Uh, I think that tells you the strides they've taken as a program this year. All of that said, um, bottom line is who's going to win and why? So we'll start with you, Josh. Uh, who, who's going to win this game and why? Um, and what's going to be the biggest factor in, in the final score? Um, the North has got me. And she, uh, SU by a touchdown, baby. SU by a touchdown. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna Mikhail take. Kale comes up with a big turnover. Kale G, I guess I'm biased. Whatever, but one of your two <laughs> captains comes up with a big play and a potentially tight game, and you know it goes from you know they could have tied it, tied it up to secure drive. You know, SU and Gary, everybody gets to dance on Marshall happy. 100%. So I'm going to look, we, we keep comparing this team to 2018, right? Because um, it was the best team, of the Dino Babers era, they won 10 games, they're off to such a good start this year. Um, you know, it was the first three and I'll start since 2018, all of those things. So we keep comparing this team to 2018, because of the fact that it was a Dino Babers team, and it was the best team, of the Dino Babers era, and this team is looking like they can replicate some of that success. In 2018, Syracuse beat NC State in the Dome, uh, I believe, by 10 points. Mm. So it was 51 to 41. Now, I don't think it's going to be a, uh, a game that you have 90 total points scored. I don't think it's going to be that. 
but I'm going to take Syracuse by 10 points, something like 31, 21, 34, 24, uh, 27, 17, something like that. Right. So I think NC state's going to be somewhere in the 17 to 21 point range. If I had to guess, and I think Syracuse can push somewhere in the 27 to 31 point range because of the fact that they've had success running the ball in NC state in the past. So they know how to combat their scheme. And I think NC state is going to struggle moving the ball. I think they'll have a couple of moments where they surprise Syracuse a little bit with some of the things they can do with, with Jack chambers, but largely I think they are going to really struggle to move the ball. I agree with you on the turnover thing. I think the fact that they've got um, a guy who doesn't have experience at this level, who's coming in for his first start, it's going to be in a hostile environment. We've seen what that hostile environment has done to veteran quarterbacks like Malik Cunningham and Brennan Armstrong, um, and even Aiden O'Connell, who threw the pick six in that game that ended up coming back to bite him. Um, all of that, I, now you're doing that against a quarterback who's getting his first start at the FBS level. I, I think that has the potential to uh, get the Syracuse defense a couple of turnovers, end up being the difference in the game. So I'm taking Syracuse by 10. Syracuse makes it to 6-0. and They are bowl eligible, and bring on Bama lives for another week one more thing but right before we get out because I like I said we I, I got eyes Eric McLean I got I worked there with a serious XM it said Drake Thomas and his rankings is a better linebacker than Michael Jones that fact um, is not lost on anybody on that defense and you know the type of relationship I had with those guys I'll just keep it like that that that's that was a bold thing to say even when he said it and it's definitely something that is recognized and noted and that is not an insult to drake at all that is um mikhail jones is that guy that's the young folks say him now he's him he's him absolutely that'll do it for episode 51 of the believe in syracuse podcast for the man the myth the legend josh crawford i am mike McAllister from all syracuse.com and we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.